Hi guys, it's Tony Robbins. You're listening to Habits and Hustle. Crush it. I have my friend on today. How do I even say Sal DiStefano? You did. I did it. DiStefano. DiStefano. Yeah. I was gonna. I was gonna screw it up. And he's one of the hosts of Mind Pump, which is one of the best health podcasts out there. Thank you. Uh, and you guys are all hilarious. And I, I love you and Adam and well Justin and Doug. I don't know as well, but you guys are just great together. Thank you. Um, and Sal, you guys have a book out. We do, yeah. So I wrote a book called uh, The Resistance Training Revolution, and um, it's, it's about resistance training, but really the goal is to change the, the, the current common fitness paradigm, which is wrong, and it's been causing, uh, hasn't been solving our chronic health issues. And the fitness industry really is the place where we should be able to solve a lot of our chronic health issues, including obesity and diabetes and dementia and cognitive decline, osteopenia. We have the solutions, and unfortunately, we have we haven't been providing them the right way. Well, you know this this. I mean, I, I said when you when you walked in, it totally hit a nerve with me because yeah. you talk all about how cardio is bad, mm. and I'm like a cardio. I am one of those people that you talk about in the book, which is a cardio junkie, and it you know it's one of those things where for me anyway, and I think a lot of people would maybe agree that. Cardio for them is a way, it's more of a mental thing totally. even, not just a physical thing. Yes. But talk about why you think cardio is bad. So it's not bad. Cardio has its benefits. All exercise done properly and appropriately um, provides value. Now you're a fitness fanatic, so I wouldn't be worried about someone like you because you're gonna be consistent no matter what. Mm. You're always gonna be, um, you value your health, it's a priority, and you've been doing it for a long time and you're very consistent with it. I'm trying to talk to the average person uh, with the book. Mm. And when, when we're talking to the average person, you have to understand the context uh, that we're dealing with. Number one, uh, modern life is very sedentary, right? So we don't move much at all. The consequence of that is we have very weak bodies. Our muscle mass is very low. We're not very strong. And there are lots of consequences that come from that, right? So low muscle mass causes insulin resistance. We have mobility issues. And because of that, our metabolisms aren't very fast. And so we, it's very easy for us to become overweight. We're also simultaneously very busy. So although we're sedentary, we don't move. Uh, excuse me, we're, we're very busy, meaning I don't, they don't, people don't have a lot of time or at least don't want to make a lot of time exercising all the time. Right. And remember, I trained people for over two decades and I trained, I definitely trained some athletes and I definitely trained some fitness fanatics, but the vast majority of my clients were everyday average people. Um, just your regular, you know, person who wants to improve their health. And to be quite honest, the mo and this is again, it's based on my experience training hundreds of people, but then thousands by proxy because I manage gyms and I train trainers for a long time. The most we can hope for with the average person in terms of exercise consistency on a long-term basis is about two or three days a week. It's not, we're not gonna get people to work out every single day, not the average person forever. Right. It's just not gonna happen. But we can, and I've done this very successfully, right. is get people to, be, to exercise two or three days a week long-term. So we're sedentary, but busy. We, don't, we, we, we typically can't work out all the time uh, very consistently. Um, and also, we're surrounded by hyper palatable, easy to access, inexpensive food, right? Mm -hmm. So high calorie environment, weak bodies, slow metabolisms, don't have a lot of time to dedicate to exercise. All right, what's the exercise solution? How can I work out in a way that's going to be as impactful as possible? Right. And when you understand that context, it's, it's clearly resistance training. Resistance training provides that. Now, to, to, to give you a little more information before I go into that, for a long time now, Actually, for decades now, we've been kind of sold this, this fitness paradigm that's just wrong. 
And, the, and it kind of goes like this, right? So obesity is the is the main issue. We ha- we're in obesity epidemic. And obesity is kind of like this umbrella condition that contributes to all kinds of chronic health issues. Um, and we know that in order to prevent obesity or to reverse it, we have to create uh, a, a beneficial energy imbalance. So that's a fancy way of saying we need to take in less calories than we burn, or to put it differently, burn more calories than we take in, right? So if you burn more calories than you take in, you lose weight. If you burn less calories than you take in, you gain weight. Now, that's very true. That's a, that's a, that's a true statement. It's a law of thermodynamics. The problem is we viewed exercise as a way to burn calories. We have not viewed exercise as a way to get the body to adapt to burn more calories mm-hmm. on its own, right? So, so we think, okay, exercise is a great way to burn calories. Let me pick the form of exercise that burns the most calories. And that makes sense when you think of it from that standpoint. And so you're going to pick cardio. If you do 45 minutes of any exercise and your goal is just to burn the most calories, running is going to burn more calories than Pilates, yoga, or, or resistance training, lifting weights, or, or using machines, right? It's going to burn the most calories. But the problem is cardiovascular activity, number one, you don't burn as many calories as you think. So right. an hour of hard cardio, by the way, you're cardio machines or treadmills are, are lying to you. You know, they'll say they burn 800 calories or whatever. That's not true. 100%. It's such a, it's such a lie. Even these watches, by the way, yeah. are not. Yeah, accurate. you're going to burn maybe 300, 400 calories an hour of really intense exercise, probably less if you're like most people. So it doesn't burn as many calories as you think. But not only that, but it, it also sends a signal to the body to adapt to get better at that activity. So that's what, that's what exercise ultimately does, right? right. So when you're working out, you're challenging your body, your body perceives this as a stress, that's why it's hard. And what your body does is it tries to adapt so that next time it's not stressed with the same insult. Um, so if you just start running, maybe a quarter mile is real hard for you. But if you practice long enough, quarter mile becomes very easy. And then if you want your body to adapt any further, you have to keep increasing the distance or same thing with resistance training, right? add weight to the bar, lift more weight, whatever. So that stress is what gets the body to change. Well, what does cardio, what kind of signal does cardio send the body? Well, you need stamina and endurance for it, but you don't need much strength at all. In fact, you need very little strength to do cardiovascular activity. And so your evidence is look at long distance runners, very skinny, very little muscle, okay? And flabby. Typically, right? You don't need strength, you need stamina. And because you're burning calories while you're doing it, your body, tries to become better at the cardio, which means becoming a more efficient Mm -hmm. calorie burning machine, okay? So more efficient means burn less calories. So over time, what your body does, and studies are clear on this now, and I witnessed this as a trainer for years, but we have the studies to back this up. If your exercise solution for your weight loss problem is cardio, so let's say you do cardio and diet. So you cut your calories and you do cardio, that's what you're doing, and you lose 10 pounds. It's very clear now, studies will show that you'll lose half of that as muscle. Now you might think to yourself, oh, at least I burned half of it as body fat. Not really, because you're the same body fat percentage. You have just made yourself a smaller, same flabbiness version of yourself, but there's consequences to that because that reduced muscle mass now, you now have a slower metabolism, meaning it makes it harder for you to maintain and definitely harder to continue to get leaner. So what does cardio weight loss typically look like? Well, it typically looks like you start here, you start doing your cardio, you lose some real fast, plateau real hard, Mm -hmm. right? So, oh, 10 pounds is gone, that's it, I'm stuck. 
Now, if I want to go any more, I have to do more cardio or cut my calories even more. So you end up in this really terrible situation. Typically, people stop because it's unsustainable. Then they gain the weight back. They don't gain back the muscle that they lost. It all comes back as body fat. Mm -hmm. So now they're the weight that they were at when they first started, but more body fat, less muscle, slower metabolism. Now it's even harder. With resistance training, the signal is very different. Now, resistance training, granted, doesn't burn a ton of calories while you do it, at least not traditional resistance training, where you do a set and then you rest. And But the signal that it sends to the body is, we need strength. We need strength in order to perform this movement. W what provides strength? Muscle. Muscle is a very metabolic, metabolically active tissue. It burns a ton of calories. So through that muscle building process, your body learns to burn more and more calories on its own naturally. And so that's the beauty of it, right? So you build a little bit of muscle, you're sitting at your desk all day long, right. you're just burning more calories versus with cardio, I gotta do it manually. This way it's kind of automatic. So what That's is the- That's a good way of putting it, by the way, the manual versus automatic, Absolutely. Right? And so what does the fat loss look like with resistance training when that's part of your solution? Well, it starts off a little slower. The cardio person lost a little faster initially, but the fat loss from resistance training, first off, it's pure fat. You don't lose any muscle. In fact, you often gain muscle while right. you're doing it. So my goal, by the way, when I would get a client is zero weight loss on the scale for the first couple months. I don't want to see the scale move at all, but I'd like to see a composition change. Yeah. So you know, if I'm training Mrs. Johnson and two months later, I'm weighing her, body weight's the same, test her body fat. It looks like we lost four pounds of body fat and gained four pounds of muscle. By the way, muscle is very dense doesn't take up much space. So if if you lost, if somebody lost 10 pounds of body fat but gained 10 pounds of muscle, they'd be smaller. Right. Because muscle is very dense, it's tight, it's sculpted, it gives people shape, um, it doesn't take up much space. But the weight loss is a snowball effect. You start to see this happen. And over time, it starts to accelerate where you get more and more fat loss as the metabolism yeah. starts to kick in. And you don't need to do a lot of it. Really for most people, a couple days a week of traditional appropriate resistance training will provide all of those those benefits. And there, there's so much more. But so you much say more. that, I mean, like you say to this, so basically a couple things to what you said. Number one, because the cardio becomes a psychological thing, right? Where yes. you have, that's the problem. Like how do you break that psychological, <laughs> you know, vicious cycle because you know, to your point, because it becomes like an endorphin thing, you burn, yes. you kind of feel those endorphins. How does someone who does cardio, how do they switch and pivot from doing that amount of cardio and pivot to the strength right. and give up? Because what will happen initially is you may end up gaining weight initially because right. your body's not used to it. That's right. And can you talk about that? Absolutely. So so that's a different person that I'm talking to. Yeah. Right? So if I'm talking talk to somebody. about everybody because I think there are people who listen to this are people who work out already. Yes. So right? if I'm talking to somebody and they're like, oh my gosh, I do five days a week of an hour of cardio. I like what you're saying. How do I transition? Well, it's, it's actually much more easy than you think. If you're doing five days a week of, of cardio, bring that down to three days a week and add two days a week of resistance training. So just replace the resistance training for cardio. And then slowly your goal is- But psychologically, it's hard to do that. Of course, it totally is. We tend to become attached to the forms of activity that we, we engage in. By the way, if you do cardio because you enjoy it, I don't want you to stop uh, to try another form of exercise uh, for that you don't like, right? So. At the end of the day, and I would always say this to clients, when someone would ask me, hey, what's the best form of exercise? I would always say the one that you like the most. Yeah, okay? same, same thing. Yeah, consistency is the most important thing. So if you just love cardio and you really don't like resistance training, honestly, 
one day a, re a week of resistance training will give you some great benefit. And then you could do all the other exercise you want. Like I said earlier in this podcast, uh, all forms of exercise do provide value. So I don't want to, I'm not trying to tell people that, that, you know, some are bad. All I'm trying to say is that the, for the average person whose goal typically is, I want to lose weight. I want to be fit. I want to be mobile. I want to be healthy. I don't have a lot of time to exercise. What should I focus my time on? Well, then in that case, you pick uh, resistance training. Um, but there's, there's so much more. And there's, there's a whole, there's a, there's a lot of reasons as to why, by the way, we're in this position because here we are, right? So, you know, we're, we're 2021 and resistance training still has this kind of stigma. It still has a stereotype. Now, I remember when I yeah. first started working in gyms in the, I started working out in gyms in the mid nineties and I managed my first club uh, in, I believe it was 1998 when I managed my first gym. And uh, I saw no women in the, in the weight area ever. In fact, the gyms that I managed, they had a separate area for women to work out. And, and in their area, they had like five pound dumbbells and a few machines. They just didn't go in the weight training area. And the only people that lifted weights or used resistance training were people who were interested in building lots of muscle. Yeah. Everybody else was doing classes or treadmill or swimming, but nobody really was doing resistance training. Um, and, and today we've moved quite a bit, yeah. but it's still stigmatized. I still, if I talk to the average person, now if I talk to a fitness fanatic, I think they're more in the know, right? But if I talk to, you know, your neighbor who, you know, they don't really work out, but right. the doctor said, hey, you your blood lipids are off. You need to start exercising. If I said, hey, you should start lifting weights. Oh, no, I don't want to get big. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not trying to get bulky. Like, I just want to be healthy. Um, so it still carries that stigma. One of the reasons for that, there's many reasons. One of the reasons is the studies that were done on exercise for health were almost never done with resistance training. So although now we see studies, if you go back, you know, two decades, three decades, four decades, when they were studying exercise to see its benefits for overall health and longevity, they never picked resistance training. It was always cardiovascular activity, yeah. always. So we had no idea. All the studies that were done on resistance training were focused on athletic performance and strength. It was never health. So we never knew that resistance training was an amazing form of exercise for your heart, for example. By the, for example, by the way, we now have studies that show that in head-to-head -head competition with cardiovascular activity, resistance training is actually better for heart longevity. No joke. Wow. Absolutely. I saw a study also that said that it's all you could have other detrimental like health effects by doing too much of a cardio, right? You can cause uh, premature aging of the heart and uh, buildup of, of calcium plaques yeah. uh, in the arteries. Uh, through, I, ne I never knew that. Well, this is why you see some of these extreme endurance athletes that, you know, they, they die early and you're like, what the heck happened? I thought this person. Yeah. And it was just they, they just went too far. They went too hard and it, and it definitely damages uh, the heart. But yeah. resistance training in these studies are, are is actually better for longevity and for heart health, um, for cognitive benefits, uh, and especially to prevent Alzheimer's and dementia. And that's this is a big deal, by the way. Alzheimer's is just yeah. it's becoming a big problem. Only one there was a, a study done out of uh, Sydney, Australia, and they found that resistance training, strength training, to date, is the only form of exercise that's been shown to halt. The progression. Really? Yes. Halt the progression of uh, of things that happen that cause Alzheimer's. The only form of exercise. Now you may be wondering, wow, how, why yeah. is this possible? Researchers 
sometimes we'll call Alzheimer's or dementia type three diabetes, right? So we have type one diabetes, yeah. type two diabetes, and they'll sometimes refer to it as, in fact, if you Google type three diabetes, you'll see Alzheimer's and dementia. Um, I've never heard that before. It's not an official term, but the reason why they'll use that sometimes is because they believe it's our brain and body's inability to utilize uh, glucose properly. So it's almost like diabetes. Like my brain can't, this is why when you take people who, are on, uh, who have Alzheimer's and you yeah. put them on a ketogenic diet, right. no sugar, and all of a sudden they have cognitive improvements. It's because it's as if their brain isn't able to use glucose like it used to. Right. And this leads to these problems. Okay. One of the best uh, protect, protections you could do, you could possibly do for yourself to improve insulin sensitivity is to build muscle. Yeah. In fact, building muscle will improve your insulin sensitivity and protect you from uh, diabetes regardless of your body fat percentage. You know that? So no. you could take somebody who's obese, yeah. have them build muscle, and you see a great protective effect uh, in, in terms of insulin. So that's, that's probably why resistance training had such a beneficial effect on the brain is because it's building muscle. And so the person can remember muscle stores glycogen yeah. so it can burn up sugar. Um, it's also insulin sensitive. So your body's going to utilize that insulin a little bit better. Yeah. And so it's just a, an amazing protective mechanism. Is it better than walking? Because everyone says walking is the number one exercise. So here's why I like walking, right? I like walking because it's easy. And yeah. you can inject it into your everyday life. Yeah. Um, Anyone could do it. Right. So, for example, if, if if a client says, hey, I want to be more active. I've never worked out before and I hate exercise. What's a great way to become more active? I'll say, okay, why don't we attach activity to your normal daily routine? Mm -hmm. So, you eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And they'll say yes. I'll say, okay, here's what I want you to do. 10-minute walk after breakfast, lunch, and dinner. That's 30 minutes a day. And it's attached to something that they already do. And it just keeps them consistent. It's easy. I don't have to change and workout clothes, yeah. get on equipment. I can go do it. So walking's great for that. But if you compare it head to head to structured resistance training, it, it pales in comparison. It, does, it doesn't even come close. Right. And it doesn't matter what parameters you use, uh, whether it's fat loss, uh, joint mobility. Did you know that resistance training is a phenomenal way to improve flexibility? This is, this is a myth around resistance training. It makes you tired. Yeah, I was going to say, I've never heard that before. Because look at the size of you. Yeah. I would never think that you're very flexible. Well, okay, so let me explain. Right? No, let me explain that. <laughs> <laughs> but let me explain. So you have flexibility, mm -hmm. which is range of motion. Yeah, range of motion. Okay, mm -hmm. so that's just like, how far can I take my foot to my head? Right. Then you have what's called functional flexibility which means I have this range of motion, but do I have strength and control within that range right. of motion? So to give you an example. Like a squat? Right, but let me, I'll give you an example. So like I have a, a baby, we, we have a five and a half month old at home, right? Yeah. He's very flexible. I could take his legs and put them <laughs> by his head and he can do the splits, but he's unstable. If I put load on him or had him try to do something <laughs> in those positions, he'd probably dislocate one of his joints, of right? In fact, that's called hypermobility. Some people have that. So you have to have strength with your flexibility. So although resistance training isn't going to make you super flexible, what it will do is, especially when you do a properly full range of motion with control, for most people, they'll gain flexibility because most people have very little flexibility. Right. So again, you're not going to become a yogi, you know, a yoga expert doing it, but you'll gain flexibility. But whatever you gain, you'll have strength and control in. So it's the difference mm. between sitting in a squat and sitting in a squat and with load. Right. So like now I'm in this stretch, like imagine going into a deep static stretch and then your kid jumps on you, you'll right. tear something. Exactly. Now imagine you have control and strength in that. That's where stability comes from. That's where protect the protection comes from, from it. So for like older people, when they lose mobility, 
loss of mobility and they injure themselves, they'll trip and fall. That's from strength, that's from loss of strength. Right. They're, they're no longer strong. So you, you make them stronger, they improve their mobility and their functional flexibility. Now in the extreme cases of flexibility, no, resistance training is not gonna compete with uh, hardcore stretching. But for functional flexibility, being able to move, be able to have load, maybe get into a stretch but come out of it, resistance training is uh, is superior. Right, because I also, I mean, I know we said this already, but having more lean muscle mass on you has such benefits in terms of the metabolism and in terms of everything else. Would you say if you had to go walking or resistant training as you get old, as you age, right? Oh. Aging, would you say resistant oh, training it's, it's, for bone density? Oh my gosh, it's, um, think about all the things that happen to us when we age, right? So we start to lose uh, bone mass, right? Yeah, right, so for bone density. Nothing has been, nothing directly combats osteopenia yeah. like resistance training. It, it builds muscle, muscle anchors on bone. That bone is gonna build as well. And because you're building, you're trying to build strength so much with resistance training, the bone building that comes from it is significant. It's also, resistance training is also extremely individualizable, right? So mm -hmm. if I just do walking or running, it's the same movement, the same body parts, whatever. Right. So like when you look at studies uh, of people who run, who have uh, osteopenia, they'll see some bone mass increases in the lower extremities, not much anywhere else, right? right. And that makes sense, they're running on their legs. And it's not a ton, but a little bit. If you do resistance training, well, I see, they see bone mass increases everywhere and it's significantly higher. Yeah. So you have that, right? Let's talk about hormones for a second. Hormones change as we get older. One. No form of exercise reliably raises testosterone in men, like resistance training. And women. And women. Yeah. In women, it's, it's a great balancer of right. estrogen and progesterone. Uh, so it, when those get out of balance, you start to get issues, especially when women are under a lot of stress. Right. Resistance training is one of the best forms to balance that out, done appropriately. And it's probably because it's, the, it's, it's a pro-tissue form of exercise mm -hmm. versus other forms of exercise, which tend to be what, what's called maybe anti-tissue. So to give you an example, if I'm doing, again, lots of cardio, the direct result of that is anti-tissue. My body is trying to reduce its muscle mass to make me more efficient at the cardio. I may also burn some body fat, but the direct result is uh, is getting rid of tissue, okay. When I'm doing resistance training, and by the way, I wanna be very clear, there's many ways to do resistance training. Right? You could, of course, you could lift weights. You could also use machines. You could use bands. You could use body weight. Body weight yeah. in, in fact, in the book, I give three versions, three different types of workouts. One of them requires bands. One of them requires just dumbbells, and then I have one that we're using a barbell with it. Um, so with resistance training, the signal that I'm sending to my body is uh, add muscle, build muscle. It's pro-tissue. Now, why is this important? Okay, think of the hormones involved with anti-tissue, cortisol, right? Mm -hmm. It's definitely not gonna be growth hormone. It's definitely not gonna be testosterone. Estrogen, progesterone, not really important. I'm just trying, I'm trying to get rid of things right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. Pro-tissue, I wanna build muscle. What do I need for that? Growth hormone, testosterone. I need a good insulin sensitivity. Uh, my, my estrogen, progesterone need to balance out uh, in order for that to happen. So when you're sending this signal to your body to add this very metabolically active, healthy tissue, you're, you're also simultaneously telling your body, we need all these great hormones. Okay? Right. Yeah. That's right. In fact, you know, if, if someone's thinking like, is that really true? Well, yeah. If you took anybody and you, and I wouldn't recommend this, but if you injected them with these pro-tissue hormones, Give someone growth hormone and, and testosterone. Right, right. See how they feel. 
they would feel incredible. Energized, younger. I mean, they've got a million different Oh my God, things. you could go to, what do they call them, rejuvenation clinics? Yes, of course. And they'll course. actually prescribe these things to you, right? Also, to it's huge. I mean, I think I asked you that last time you were on all about the different types of like, well, maybe I didn't, I don't remember, but like even those peptides that yes. people are going or like they're doing those testosterone bullets in your butt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those little things in like yeah. for people who are aging or, you know, people are taking HGH. Yeah. But like, this is the only way, resistance training is the only way to really change the shape of your body yeah. and to elevate these natural hormones in your body. Yes, and yeah. I'm glad you said change the shape of your body. Um, you know, and I, you know, I, I'm careful when I talk in this direction because I do... I try to communicate fitness through a very positive body uh, acceptance uh, standpoint. Right. No, and, and I understand. And I mainly understand. because I, um, I've seen that be much more effective long term. Right. That being said, look, the reality is we look in the mirror. We see parts of our body that we want to change the shape and whatever. Right. Okay. Um, and by the way, I think it would be remiss to not be be honest. And people are working out a lot of times for vanity reasons. Oh, yeah. That's the number one reason. A hundred percent. Yeah. They want to look good. I mean, of course, it's great to, for health reasons, everything else. Yes. But if we were, we, we'd be living in la-la land. Yeah. But we, I am anyway in LA. <laughs> but if you didn't think that people are doing it also for, for vanity. Yeah, that's too. the number one reason. Yeah. Number one reason why anybody starts exercises is because they want to change the way they look. And yeah. I do talk a lot about starting that way and then transitioning it right. to I do this because I want to take care of myself. I do this Feel because, good. because that's really the only long-term way to do it. Because at some point you're going to turn 70, 80, 90. Yes. And if you're so attached to your image or your looks, you're going to be in a really rude awakening at that point. Absolutely. Nonetheless, okay, we want to change the way we look and we tend to have specific parts of our body that we want to change, right? So if you ask somebody, you know, what are your goals? Oh, I want to get in shape. Yeah, but what do you want? How do you want to look? Oh, I want more shape here, more shape there, more arm, whatever, right? <laughs> The only form of exercise that allows you to sculpt your body like a sculptor specifically is resistance strength. Yeah. You can't do that. So you can't spot reduce body fat, right? Right. I can't say I want to lose body fat from here, train this area. Your body burns burns body fat kind of systemically in your genetics determined, right. right? But I can build muscle. I can build muscle in a very targeted way. And muscle creates shape, sculpt, tone, mm -hmm. and firmness, right? So I can look in the mirror and say, I want you know, okay, my, Big my biceps, right. Or, Hey, my waist isn't, isn't that tight. Yeah. Um, how do I give myself the illusion of, of a smaller waist? I know I'll develop my back a little right. bit, or, you know, a woman may say, you know, I want my, my butt to look better. Build your butt. You don't even have to get leaner. Just building the muscle underneath will give you, make your butt yeah. look better. Or I want my calves look or whatever. It's the one form of exercise that I can look in the mirror and I can literally like a sculptor, you know, pick exercises and movements to shape and change my yeah. body the way that I want. Um, and along those lines, um, it's it's a it's a form of exercise that's so moldable. It's the only form of exercise that I could do with anybody. I don't care who you are. I, right. You could be young, old. You could be in a wheelchair. You could be injured. Um, I mean, when you go to a physical therapist, when they're rehabbing people, they use resistance training. Yeah. Why? Because it's just training with resistance in a way that builds muscle, which means, I mean, I used to train people in advanced age uh, quite a bit, actually towards the back end of, of advanced my- Advanced age. Yeah, like my favorite, right? That's such a nice way of saying yeah. it, Sal. You're such a, you're such, so PC, yeah. it's so well, cute. Well, it was the, the back end of my career, I really enjoyed training people, uh, you know, 65 and older. And I loved it because they were, they were so wise and I used to love having conversations with them. But really the, the, big, <laughs> the big reason why was, man, it was, it was amazing to see their bodies uh, change and, yeah. and, and they were so uh, grateful or whatever. But when I would train them, I mean, Sometimes the exercise was uh, stand up and sit down. 
You know, that's yeah, our that's yeah. our exercise. Or just reach up as high as you can with your arm. Let's see if we can straighten it out and you're you're creating tension there. So I could I, I could totally mold it around anybody and still provide those benefits. So as you age, okay, so also with the, I guess with resistance training, you can't, you're not going to easily plateau, right? As much as you will with cardio, because you can always increase the weight and you can always do different variations more. I would you imagine, can, right? but even if you do start to plateau, uh, the, the, your, your metabolism's always in this get faster mode. That's where you're pushing, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas with other forms of exercise like cardio, you're kind of pushing it to become more and more efficient. By the way, this isn't just my observation, uh, studies confirm this. You know, there was a um, there was one study. It's a big. I, I quote this in the book. There's a there's a a, a tribe in Tanzania uh, called the Hadza tribe, oh, yeah, and they're yeah, modern yeah. hunter gatherers. Yeah. And scientists went down there to study and see how many calories they were burning every single day, and they they predicted that these people would be burning tons of calories, right? Because they hunt their food, they forage, and they they don't sit down. They're moving all the time. Well, what they found was that they burned almost as many calories as the average Westerner in modern societies. They couldn't believe it. Right. But then they thought about it and they said, well, this makes sense. It makes no sense that as hunter-gatherers, our bodies would allow us to burn 6,000 calories from movement every day because we couldn't possibly find 6,000 calories worth of food. So our bodies learned to adapt yeah. and become more and more efficient. There's another study uh, in the Amazon where they studied uh, children in rural areas mm -hmm. and then children in, in the city. And they know that the rural areas, the kids are way more active than in the city. And they want to see what the calorie burn difference was. They also found there the calorie burn was extremely similar. So just moving more, although movement has its own health benefits. Don't get me wrong. If, if you can move every day, then move every day. That's great. Right. But from a fat burning perspective, from a fat loss perspective, it's not going to impact you that much. What you want to do is you want to figure out a way to get your metabolism to want to burn more calories. And so when you're doing resistance training and you're doing that consistently, that's what you're constantly pushing in that yeah. direction. I mean, I've had clients where I've gotten their metabolisms to burn 500, 800 more calories a day. Um, in some extreme cases, even more than that. So just imagine, right? Like, what if you could burn... 800 more calories every single day without doing really anything extra. No, I, I know. I was going to say something also like this right now we're in a craze with um, like the Peloton, right? Everyone's yeah. like on, on the Peloton burning, you know, going for an hour of these classes. And I never really seen a ton of my friends do it daily. They're like obsessed. I'm obsessed. I'm a big runner yeah. and I'm going to use myself too as an example through the, through the pandemic, right? Cause you couldn't go to the gym. Yeah. And so I was, I was doing a lot of cardio as a lot of my friends were doing a lot of the Peloton, but all of us still gained weight, yeah. right? Because we were burning too much of our muscle, as you were to your yeah. point, we're eating more than we mm -hmm. normally would. Mm -hmm. And our bodies were not changing for the better. I feel like there's like such a, a myth out there yes. because of all this stuff. Like they're like, oh, I'm, I'm, I was like, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna go on my Peloton for an hour and I'm gonna sweat more. People think sweat is like the, um, that means if they sweat, they're working out harder. No, and that's it's a, such a myth. That's a great question. That's a great point. Um, and, and that's, you know, that's another point I make in the book is that we, if you want long-term success with exercise, stop treating it like a workout and treat it more like practice. And what I mean by that is if I treat it like a workout and this, I, you know, this came to me years ago. So years ago I was up in the, in the hills by where I live and I was hiking and then I would have runners pass me up every mm -hmm. once in a while. And as a personal trainer, it's almost impossible for me not to notice biomechanics, right? So right, people right. are running by, 
And I'm like, oh my gosh, his feet are pronating. Yeah. Oh, that's an anterior. I'm like, oh my <laughs> God, that's, that's a knee injury or, oh, you know. And then this one runner came by and just looked like a gazelle. And I thought, God, you know what the problem is? The problem is that we have this misconception that running is easy. Just go and run. Just get up and run. Right. The truth is it's a, it's a skill. And if you stop running when you were 10, like most of us, you lose that skill. Yeah. So just putting your shoes on and running for a workout is a terrible idea because when you're doing a workout, what are you training towards? Fatigue. I'm going to run until I can't run anymore. I'm going to run until – and your form goes – anything you do to fatigue, your form goes downhill, yeah. right? Well, the way you should treat exercise is like a skill. This will give you long-term success. So rather than going to the gym and saying, I'm going to uh, I'm gonna work out my legs today and I'm going to get them real sore and hurt, think to yourself, I'm going to go to the gym, I'm going to practice lunges, and I'm going to practice squats. I'm going to get good at this skill. Now, doing that tends to make people train much more appropriately. Yeah. Um, it's not about the sweat. It's not about the soreness. Again, it's about sending the right signal so that your body, because remember, the, the results happen not while you're working out. Right. The workout's the signal. The results happen afterwards. What did that signal promote? Well, if I train too hard for my body, by mm -hmm. the way, this is individual, right? But if I train too hard, all my body is concerned with is healing. And so what does that look like? Well, I go to the gym. I get really sore. Yeah. Then I heal. I go back to the gym. I get really sore and I heal. And meanwhile, I never improve. It's always the same weight. It's like, yeah. Always the same exercise. My body doesn't really change. I'm just healing, recovering, healing, recovering. What you want to do is you want to send the signal so that your body heals, but then has room to adapt. Right? Right. Super compensate, right? So a little bit of healing, but mostly adapting. So the way you should feel after your workouts, and there's nothing wrong with sweating, but really the way you should feel after your workouts is energized. You should never leave a workout feeling like you beat the crap out of yourself. You should always feel like you have more energy coming out of it than you than, than going but, into yeah. it. Soreness, maybe a little bit or none. I, when my clients would come to me and say, oh man, I'm, I was really sore after the last workout. Oh, that was great. I would In my head, I'd say, no, we went too hard. We're gonna go much easier. I liked it when my clients would say, I, I'm kind of sore or mm, I didn't really feel it. Then I knew, we hit the right dose and we would stay on that right dose. And of course, as their fitness improved, sort of the intensity of the workouts and so forth, and their bodies would just progress. Well, this is the, what, this is the problem with weights though, I feel like, I mean, because, you know, again, it's all psychological, <laughs> you know, like- <laughs> That you feel like, like you're wasting your time. Yeah, I feel like because it doesn't give you the same endorphin, I mean, maybe for you it does, yeah. but most people don't get the same endorphin rush. And because if they're not sweating like an animal yeah. or like super sore, then they're like, Ugh, it's a waste of time. Right. I, they really believe that, and I'm one of, even though I know it, intellectually what yeah. the real answer is, that's a whole other story, yeah. that you think the if you run like, an, like a dog for 30 minutes, yes. it's gonna be better. But really like, what I was saying to you earlier, like, but all my joints are sore. Like I can't even, you know, my ankle's sore, my yeah. knee gets is this and my hip is this. And it's actually really, that is actually aging you. Like yes. doing all that cardio, like a, a girlfriend of mine who are going for these like 10 mile walks. I mean, mm -hmm. and then they, they limp the rest of the day, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, you have to, you know, also people like us, right? Fitness yeah. fanatics, exercise. And I know the average person who's listening or watching to this is going to roll their eyes, but to us, exercise very much can be used like a drug. Yeah, it is for it me. It is, it be too, Definitely. that's what I'm saying, yeah. And so it can, I can be attached to the feeling, I can be attached to the, the action of it. So we have to check ourselves a little bit and, and, and be careful with how, how do we, we do that. Like give us a practical way because to tell me because I haven't yet figured it out because even though I know this to be true, tomorrow morning I'm gonna get back on that treadmill yeah. with all my injuries and I'll still do my little run yeah. even though I know 
If I only have 30 minutes. The best approach that I've ever had is to take your laser-like focus mm -hmm. and move it into a new direction. Cause it's not gonna, if I tell you, hey, just do it this way and you know, trust the process, that's gonna be very difficult. But if I say to you, here's what I want you to do, Jen, for the next three months. For the next three months, I want to, I want you to, I want to see how strong you can get. I want you to focus purely on performance. Let's see what you can do with your strength. And then if you can get your mind to shift in that direction with your, you know, your laser-like focus, your, right. where you want a goal and you want to hit it, and you're focusing only on performance, probably would take you off of how you look and all that other stuff. Yeah, 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 for sure. Then you might go in the right direction. More from our guest, but first a few words from our sponsor. Everyone's career is different and reaching your goals takes time. LinkedIn Learning offers courses based on the in-demand skills trending on LinkedIn taught by industry experts. So no matter where your career is headed, you can learn the skills to make it happen. Engineers are learning cutting edge languages to build better products. Salespeople are learning to ask better questions to make their numbers. What course will you take so the job you want becomes a job you get? Me, well, I took a bunch of courses and I got to tell you, it's been super helpful. A couple of the courses I took were social media marketing and learning how to use Excel better. And not only were they incredibly helpful, I got to learn some very easy practical things in under an hour. And I will tell you, I'll be using many more courses to come. No matter your goal, LinkedIn Learning helps you learn the skills to make it happen. LinkedIn Learning, try free for one month at linkedinlearning.com slash free month. That's linkedinlearning.com slash free month. Well, I like what you said earlier, because I don't think people think about it as a skill, right? They're, they don't think working out is a skill. They think ba basketball could be a skill. Tennis is a skill. But working out is a skill. If yes. you think of, if you, add, if you treat it like that, at your approach will be very yeah, different. Yeah, in fact, look, I'll tell you, this is what I would say to you personally, right? I would say, look, you love running. I don't want you to stop running. I don't want you to stop doing the stuff that you love. You obviously love it. No, I don't love it. Next, I hate it, actually. Oh, okay, well. I feel like an obligation to uh, it. This well, if, you, if, you, if you've got an attachment to it, I would say this. Uh, next time you run, try to run perfectly, not hard. Oh, yeah. So instead, slow down, work on your skill right. of running. And then I would say swap out a couple of your of your cardio workouts for for... Pick two or three resistance training. That's it. Two or three resistance training exercises. Yeah, no, I do. I do that. And I would recommend that you do compound lifts and focus on strength. Go slow. Rest a minute or two in between sets. Um, and if you're if you're one of those people that has a tough time resting in between sets, which I I have it. Yeah, yeah. I feel like you yeah, are. Yeah, yeah. Um, and because you need to be doing something, I would say in between read or in between read? do something. Well, yeah, something that will something that'll stimulate you. Uh, okay. I can't imagine, you know what it is? I can't picture you just sitting there uh, yeah, for two minutes waiting I'll for your I'll answer a text. That's what I mean. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm not gonna just so, stand there like, you know. Yeah, so I, I would say like, like maybe there's some work you need to do well, I in think, between sets. Not to interrupt you, but I was gonna say, I do both, I do strength training and I do weights, but I think, I mean, and I do the, the cardio. cardio. The problem is I know I'm doing too much cardio, so yeah. I'm breaking down my muscle. Yeah. When I when I'm doing every, I think I think that's a lot yeah. of people. They yeah. do a lot of people do combinations, but they're heavier on the one. Mm -hmm. um, and if I'm breaking down that muscle, then I'm, when I when I eat, because we haven't even talked about diet yeah. and supplementing and all that, then I can't eat as much because of the not I'm not able to burn as much with yeah. the cup. Now and here's the other beauty with resistance training: if you bump your calories a little bit while sending that build signal with resistance training, yeah. what do you think happens? You gain you might gain some weight, but it isn't body fat. You're gaining muscle. 
Now you do, you have do a what if you bump? So tell me, give me an so, example. So uh, let's say the, the cornerstone of my workout yeah. is resistance training. Like what do you do? Do you mean what you do? Uh, well, so for my routine is much more advanced. I've been working out for a long time. So I train about six days a week and it's mostly resistance training. I also throw in some functional training and then some cardio style hit workouts. You do hits, so I, yeah, that's the most so like, effective. So like Saturday I'll do like, I'll, I'll push the sled and drag the sled and do that kind of stuff. How on long would you work out a day, you? Oh, typically about an hour to an hour and 20 minutes. You will, every yeah. six days a week. Six days a week. Now I've been doing this for a long time. I've been training since I was 14. Yeah. And uh, I love the performance of it or whatever. Um, it's not necessary to work out that much for health and longevity at all. But I, pu I push myself. But for vanity. That's okay. Health and, okay, I got I got you. For two yeah. hours a week for people who want to be healthy. Yeah. Now, if someone wants to look like that, yeah. like look like a specimen, like with right. muscles and all that right. stuff, what do you think is, be real, like be realistic. You would still have to start with the two days a week, okay. but then eventually progress yourself. And you could go really far with a four day a week workout with, with resistance training. So four days a week. Yes, yeah, so you could and, go really far with that. And talk about over exercise because then you can have the, just in cardio, the same thing. If you can, you could uh, do too much and it have, have the reverse effect. Absolutely, remember you're, you're trying to send the signal right? and it has to be an appropriate signal. Um, the right dose is perfect, right? So. With exercise, doing too little will give you less results. Yeah. Doing too much will give you less results. Right. And if you go too, too much, you can actually cause damage and cause yourself a lot of problems. So what's too, too much? Give, it, give us like the... It depends on the person, right? So here's a good gauge. Okay. Uh, the one, what I said earlier. How do you feel after your workout? Right. Do you feel energized? That's a good thing. How do you feel the day after? Do you feel better? That's a good thing. Are you sore? If you are, are you sore to the touch than you went? too hard. Right. Is your sleep better or is your sleep worse? Is your skin better or is your skin worse? Essentially, if you, all your health parameters are improving, not just I beat myself up, but rather right. I just feel better. I feel more calm. You should have less anxiety. You should just feel, it should feel right. Now, the problem with that is if you're mentally stuck on, I want my body to change. Sometimes we ignore those signals. Right, we I do. don't care if I'm beat up, if it gets me there faster, to which case I'll tell you, you won't get there faster by going too fat, too hard or too long. The right dose is the dose that'll get you there the fastest. Right, I agree with that. So then you're saying start off for people who are beginning at least two days a week yeah. and then you can move up to four or five. Don't you have to give yourself like, you know, two days, a, like you do six days. Yeah. Isn't that, a, you're, I know you're yeah. a whole different story, but two days of rest like usually is what nor like totally. regular people say. You know, here's the thing about uh, about resistance training that's really good is that the-, the Body parts the, you can change. And not only that, but the results are, are pretty long lasting. So what yeah. I mean by that is if you are, if you just do tons and tons of cardio and then you stop, you'll see things change real fast in your yes. body. With resistance, real fast. With resistance training, you don't. In yeah. fact, they just did a study where they compared groups of people. And one group they had them do, uh, it was four days a week of resistance training and they did the, they did it uh, 16 weeks straight, not missing a single week. The other group did three weeks on, one week off. So they actually worked out for three weeks and then took one week off every single, every, every three weeks they took a whole week off. And they wanted to compare the results. Now, yeah. you would think the group that worked out more got better results. The truth is at the end of the 16 week study, they were almost exactly the same. So although when they took the week off, they lost a little bit of strength, when they went back to it, it came back very quickly. This is because of something called muscle memory. Yeah. And muscle memory is a very real thing. And resistance training is what builds muscle memory. So when you build muscle, just to make it so it's not super complicated, you increase the amount of satellite cells in your muscles. Super and, complicated, just kidding. <laughs> and these, these satellite cells are responsible for many things, but uh, but, some of them can turn into new muscle tissue or they can promote muscle growth. 
When your muscles grow, you get more of them, but when they shrink, they don't go away. So this is, to, to give you an example, let's say it took you four years to build you know, 15 pounds of lean muscle. So for four years, you worked out hard, you trained hard, you're, you're a guy, yeah, yeah, and you yeah. gain 15 pounds of muscle. And then for whatever reason, you stop for six months and you lose it all, 15 pounds gone. And then you say, you know what, I wanna get back into working out. You'll gain that 15 pounds back in about two or three months. So yeah. it took you four years before, but the second time around, it comes back much faster. Much faster. So resistance training kind of provides that, uh, that safety, uh, which is good because Again, think about the average person, Jen. Average person usually doesn't work out consistently week in and week out. They'll right. miss a week here, miss a couple weeks there. Well, you know, why not do the form of exercise that's gonna give you some kind of longer, now nothing's permanent, right? but at least results that stick around a little bit and make it easier for you to deal with the fact that you maybe stopped working out for a couple weeks. Absolutely, so let's talk about, um, a couple other things. I want to talk about the nutrition element, the, the nutrition aspect, yeah. and the supplement. And, I, and there's a bunch of different things here. Uh, you you're a big intuitive eating guy. Yes. Okay, I don't understand. <laughs> like, to me, like it doesn't make any. Like, how is that even? That doesn't even sound possible. It sounds like, silly. It it sounds like. I mean, yeah. It sound, in theory, again, yeah. it sounds great. Yeah, yeah. But how do people just? Like, I'll make I'll make it make sense for you. Okay. okay so, I'll use an example. Um, there's now several studies that show. Right that if, if so great studies, by the way, they'll take groups of people mm -hmm. and they'll divide them up and they're controlled, they're really controlled. So they literally keep them in laboratories and they'll say, okay, this group over here has unlimited access to uh, heavily processed food. This group over here has unlimited access to whole natural foods and they control the macros and everything. So, okay, they're very similar macro breakdown. The only difference is processed foods. Processed foods are in wrappers, bags, boxes, Unprocessed foods, whole foods are like you know, chicken, bananas, nuts, right. whatever. And they say, okay, eat until eat until you're full or whatever, and we're gonna track. And then what they do after a certain period of time is they switch them. They take these people, they put them over there, take these people, put them over there. So it's a crossover study. And there's several of these now. And they find that when people eat heavily processed foods, on average, they eat five to 600 more calories a day. So 500 to 600 more calories a day eating heavily processed foods. Now, why is that? Heavily processed foods are engineered to make you eat more. And there's a lot of money that goes into doing this. Uh, you know, a bag of Lay's potato chips has about four potatoes in it. And I could eat that, no problem, one sitting. I saw this in your book, the potato thing. Yeah, right? but if you give me four, you know, or five plain potatoes to eat, it would be very difficult, right? Yeah. So, okay, so what does that have to do with intuitive eating? Well, if we're in a situation where yeah. we learn, we know how to read our body's signals, we have a good relationship with food. By the way, this is easier said than done. I'll talk. We can talk about what, you know what this looks like. So I, I literally have in my notes. This seems easier said than done. Yeah, that, right. <laughs> so uh, uh, you know, do I have a good relationship with food, and how do I build that? Do I understand my body's signals and what it's telling me? Mm -hmm. A lot of people are are they don't they don't even know what their body's sending them signals. They just right. accept that they have heartburn every day or whatever. Right. So body signals, uh, good relationship with food. Um, do I understand food for all of its value other than its palatability? So we, we're in a society where we value food for palatability. Mm -hmm. How good does it taste and how pleasurable is it to eat? I mean, if you, you ask your friends, hey, where do you want to go to lunch? It's, that's what you consider, yeah. right? Okay, so if you understand those three things, then you will naturally eat in a way that promotes health. Now, you're not going to get shredded. You're not going to look like you're a bikini model or whatever, right. but you're not going to be obese. 
you're probably not even going to be over, overweight. Yes. You're going to eat in a way that is naturally healthy. Now, how do we get there? It's a bit of a process. Okay. So let's start with uh, a relationship with food. Okay. Oftentimes we grab food and we eat food in ways that are impulsive, uh, that resemble almost binge-like behavior. So to give you an example, it would be like if, if I'm eating like a like I use potato chips a lot because that's my favorite thing, right? I love that, yeah. So let's say I'm eating potato chips and I'm chewing on a chip. I'm not even enjoying this one. I'm just thinking about the one that's that's in my hand, right? Okay, so does that happen to you even? Everybody. It happens I mean, that, to me. That's constantly. what these foods are designed to do. Right. And, and, and I grew up in this same society you did, where as kids, it's kind of this is how we value food. Yeah. This is all what all it is. So it's also social. Yes. You know? The social yes. element. So Okay, so how do I develop a better relationship with food with that kind of stuff? Well, first we need to create barriers between me and those behaviors so that I can become more aware. So potato chips for me is a trigger food. I'm not gonna have them in the house. I'm not gonna say I can't eat them though. If I want some, I have to drive to the store. What does that do? At least create some space mm -hmm. for me to maybe bring some awareness. What's another thing I can do? Not eat when I'm distracted. Okay, so don't eat while I'm looking at my phone. Don't eat while I'm watching TV. Don't eat while I'm listening to something. Just eat. Studies will show people eat 15% less calories just naturally, just from doing that naturally. Um, That's not even more actually. Oh, I, mean, I would I would bet it's more. Yeah. But the studies will show about 15, which is, I mean, that's significant. If you're eating 2,000 calories, it's hundreds of calories a day. Yeah, I guess that's right. Well, I mean, I can eat forever if I'm watching a movie or like popcorn if you go to a movie. And that's you right. Have, like you can have like three tubs of those. Pop that's, that's a, I'm glad you brought that up. Think about how the associations that we have with food, right? So yeah. how can I change or develop good associations with food? That's a big one, I think. Right. So. Right now, uh, you know, most of us only associations we have with food is uh, pleasure or social, mm -hmm. right? Let's create other associations. How do we do that? By bringing awareness. Okay, broccoli. Most people would say broccoli is not one of the most pleasurable, fun foods to eat. No, it's definitely not. But what if when you eat broccoli, you're really paying attention and you notice, this makes my skin look good, or my, my digestion is so much better every time I eat a nice serving of broccoli. Yeah. Okay. If you continue to bring awareness to that, over time, what you'll naturally find is you might actually start wanting the broccoli. In fact, this, this happens to me. When I travel and I eat out a lot, when I come home, you know what food I reach for? Like cooked vegetables and fish. That's and, so true. Does that happen to you too? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I actually crave them. Yeah. I actually want those things. Now, is it the, the, the palatability of them? No, but I've made a different association. And, and by the way, food manufacturers Know this. This is how they advertise to you. Mm -hmm. You see a beer commercial. It's not just beer. It's beer and girls in the beach. Yeah. It's not just food. It's food and a party and whatever, right? Um, they've done studies on this where they've served people ice cream in, you know, in toilet bowls and they find people eat less of them. Yeah. List of the actual That's vibes. so true. Right. So, Association so, you, so it's just really bringing awareness and it's developing your own intuition. So you can start to read the signal and, and really, okay, so to, just to take it back. And this will help illustrate a little bit. There's four stages of learning, uh, no matter what we learn. Um, the first stage is unconscious incompetence. Mm -hmm. so this is where we start out. We just, we don't know what we don't know. And a lot of people are, are kind of here with nutrition. We, we don't know what we don't know. The second stage is really easy. We realize we, now that we don't know. So now we, we know that we don't know like, oh man, you know, I, I heard Sal talking on this podcast. I had no idea. This is a lot of stuff that I don't know. The third stage is Conscious competence. 
Conscious competence is I have to consciously be competent with what I'm doing. Right. So I have to consciously pay attention to my food. I have to consciously, am I getting enough protein? What are my calories at? Okay, Sal said, become more aware. Like I'm noticing that the vegetables are making me feel better. So maybe I'll try eating more of those. I notice when I eat this food that I get more inflamed or I don't feel as good. So maybe I'll avoid some of that stuff. But you eventually you move from there to unconscious competence where now it becomes, that's intuitive. Now it becomes very natural. To give you an example, when you're, right now, you're breathing intuitively. Yes. Maybe not, now that I said it, I now you think no, about it. Yeah, exactly. That's, 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 a, that's un, it's a, uh, you're, you're competent, but unconsciously so, right? Yeah. You can get there with nutrition. It is a process. I'm sorry, it does take a little while, yeah. but it's the only permanent way to do it. There is no permanent way to do it. Now, what does it look like when you get there? You eat in a way that takes care of your body, uh, takes care of your mind, takes care of your soul in a very balanced, natural way. By the way, this works for eating sweets and eating and having alcohol too. Because let's say I'm in this state where I'm, you know, I've worked on the awareness. I have this good relationship with food. You invite me out to lunch or you have us come over for dinner and, you, you know, you make some drinks and, you know, we're watching the game. So we have pizza, you know. I, I, why, why wouldn't I have a few drinks and pizza? At the moment, what's important to me is, it, to my health, is the social aspect. Yeah, yeah. Is connecting with these people. So you develop this natural balance because you can also go in the extreme in the other direction, right? You can become like this fitness fanatic, uh, orthorexic, yeah, where you yeah, carry yeah. your food everywhere. That's not healthy either. Right. So I do talk a lot about, and, and, and really as a trainer, I learned this because the, the, the counting calories, counting macros, giving people meal plans just failed. I know you talk a lot about the fact that you hate, you think that meal plans suck. Yes. Um, okay, why do you think that meal plans suck? Because doesn't it keep people on on? Yeah, if they, if they eat like that forever. Well, that, so great. So because there's no longevity to it. It, right? it doesn't work long term. Yeah. It, it's not real life. Yeah. Real life doesn't, you have to but navigate to, real life. To get a kickstart though. What do you think about meal plans to get a kickstart? I, I think uh, becoming aware requires structure. So yes, you should probably look at macros, proteins, fats, carbohydrates, know what's in food, learn about calories. Very important, don't get stuck there. Right. Either you'll A, fall off, or B, you'll be the small percentage that is determined to stick to it and then you become a a, a, a zealot and that those people are not healthy either. Yeah. Believe me, I, I know these people I, I, in the fitness space who they have no friends, they have no nothing. And they have nothing. All it is is workout and eating the same thing. It's very all the time. sad. It's a very sad existence because it you you it basically uh, controls everything you do in your life, or you, and you have no life basically. Correct. Yeah. Correct. So, um, so no balance is very important, and you can get to that place by by pushing the right behaviors, not the the mechanisms of diet. But I think that what I think where it could be good, right, is that if you're always on the go and you're going to grab a burger, like a you know, sure. McDonald's or like just like crap around you, if you have like a meal, whatever, like a meal service that you have good food to grab sure. instead of the alternative. Sure. But you're right. Long term, because eventually you get off that. And then what happens? I think then you, you gain the weight I think back. you develop the skills to navigate your own like normal life. You yeah. know what happens if people are super strict on meal plans? Something happens. They go on a vacation yeah, yeah. or, oh, I'm whatever. And then you've developed this on the wagon, off the wagon type mentality. Because yeah. here's what, this is psychologically what happens. If everything is so rigid in this box, the second I step outside of that box, now I'm not in that box anymore and I don't care. Now yeah. I already went off my diet. Let's go crazy. This is why somebody, when they you know go off their diet, they don't eat one cookie. 
They eat a whole sleeve. That's me again. Of Oreo cookies. A hundred. I think that's what because you're if you're so regimented when you see something that or you get or you like have that taste in your right. mouth, you'll go crazy. That's right. That's right. right. I also talk about just the the, the motivation that that uh, brings us to these places. Right. Um, if we go into exercise and eating right from a positive place, we're much more likely to be to keep it long term than from a negative place. Most yeah. people don't realize that their initial motivation is very negative. It's a, I hate my body, mm -hmm. I'm fat, I don't look good, I wanna change this. And although that can be a powerful initial motivator, it's never long-term because nobody wants to hate themselves forever. At right. some point, by the way, when you hate yourself, exercise is a punishment and diet is restriction. Right, okay? right, right. When you're doing it because you wanna care for yourself, I'm, why, why, do I, why am I exercising? Because I love myself, I want to take care of myself. Right. Why are you eating right? Because I want to take care of myself. I deserve to be taken care of. Well, now it's exercise is a treat. Eating right is uh, is care, is self care. Very very different attitude. Yeah. Also, the the choices you make are much more appropriate. Now, if I went out with my friends and ate a bunch of pizza and drank a bunch of beer, and I hate and I'm I, and I'm motivated by self hate, well, I might go to the gym and be like. Oh my God, I'm so disgusting. Why did I do that? I'm gonna go beat the crap out of myself. Even though I probably feel terrible and maybe I didn't sleep well, I'm gonna go beat the crap out of myself. I'm gonna go run as hard as I can, sweat this off or whatever. Inappropriate training, not right. as effective. If it's self-care, I may be like, oh man, I, I really didn't take care of myself very well yesterday. I kind of went off a little too far. I think I'm gonna go to the gym and, and do things that feel good. And because I'm tired and inflamed, that feels like yoga, maybe some walking, maybe some light resistance training, which actually is, how I would train you if I was your trainer. If I was your trainer and you told me that yesterday you didn't get I good did sleep, that, yeah. did, I would train you that way. I wouldn't beat the crap out of you. Right, so it's like reframing these messages you tell yourself. Absolutely. If it comes from there, you uh, you enjoy it. You know, how many times have you heard this from people? You, you see someone and you're like, hey, did you, you still doing that diet or you still doing that workout? And they go, oh no, I just, I, I, I stopped because I just want to enjoy my life. Like. Eating, so many times I hear that, right, yeah, right, right. Eating yeah. right and exercising uh, improves your quality of life. Isn't it strange that people say that they have to stop doing that in order to enjoy their life? It's because it was coming from a place of self-hate. Yeah. Of course, you're punishing yourself. The workout to you is punishment. Of right. course you wanted to stop. But the thing is, like, it's, again, this is all like, it's a process, right? Like people can't. Of course. So there's such a there's such a behavioral change in all of this that people I don't think sometimes understand. It's no. not the the physical part's the easy part. It's the mental change and that's how, everything. Yeah, it's a, it's, and it's the hardest part. It is, and, and, I, and I want people commitment. to and I want people to feel hopeful because you know because people are like, oh my gosh, that sounds like so much. Yes, it is, and you go one step at a time, very slow. Right. You start with one change that is challenging because it has to have meaning. If it's not challenging, it's got no meanings, right? So something that's challenging, but also realistic for you, be honest, right? Right. When someone would ask me, you know, hey Sal, uh, how many days a week should I work out? Uh, I wanna start working out. I'd always ask them, how many days a week do you think you could work out forever? Right. Because I want a real answer, okay? So realistic yet challenging, start there. Once that change becomes a regular part of your life and it becomes not easy, but something you do routine, then you add one more thing. And you may be thinking, well, that's gonna take forever. It's not as long as you think. In fact, over time, it starts to accelerate. You know, if I, if I took two parallel lines and I moved one just one degree, you wouldn't be able to tell here, but follow them along for a mile or two, 
and the distance becomes much greater, tremendous. And again, uh, this is the only way that I've seen, besides the the rare epiphany, which is extremely rare, and epiphanies usually come from something bad, like yeah. you had a heart attack or something like that. Aside from that, this is the only way I've ever seen everyday average people uh, develop a lifelong relationship with exercise and nutrition uh, that's positive. It's the only way. Everything else has been what we always see, which is lose weight, gain weight, lose weight, gain weight, right. on, off, on, off, and nobody ever goes anywhere. Although also there's a piece to this though. It's a habitual, right? Like I think once people um, do it long enough where they feel the the good effects, yes. like their, their energy, their focus, the alert, yes. like that, that is usually the motivation in my opinion to, to continue, right? Jen, I'll tell you something. You hit the nail on the head. Look, if who's gonna walk farther? The man who's uh, obsessed with the destination or the man who likes to walk. Right, 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 right. If you love, if you start to develop that relationship, and you will, if you do this the right, right way, you right. will. It's getting people to do it long. The hardest is like the stop is in the start. Or yeah. Is that what it's? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. If you do this the right way, um, like I'm talking about, you will start to develop a positive relationship with exercise. And when that happens, you're not going to stop. Right. Now I work out in the morning, not because I'm trying to get buffed or look good. <laughs> you are buff, but that's a whole other story. I'm, I'm, I do it because I like it. I would do it no matter what. I right. work out because I enjoy the process of it. Me too. You know what that means? I'll never stop. No, I agree. But you've got to get to that point to yes. like feel it. And people yes. don't realize that it could be agony at the beginning, but then you, you kind of go over that hurdle. Um, but there's also, I want to ask you about plateauing again yes. for people who exercise. I mean, who do this stuff and they still plateau because they've been eating properly yeah. for a long time. They've been exercising properly for a long mm -hmm. time. How do you like rejig the system a little bit? Like how do you kind of mix it up for people right. like that so they don't continue to plateau? That's a great question. So a few different things. Um, change your workout. That's a, that's a very easy yeah. common one, right? So with resistance training, um, change the rep ranges right. is a very easy thing to do. So maybe for three or four weeks, I focus on six to eight reps. Now I'm gonna go 15 to 20 reps, right? right? So that's one way to do it. Changing exercises will do it as well. Your diet, here's a big one. Yeah. Most people are interested in, in fat loss, right? And then they may plateau with their fat loss. Believe it or not, going through a short period of eating more food will typically boost your metabolism back up to trigger more fat loss uh, down the road. So what does that look like? And they've done studies on this, by the way, uh, where they'll take people who they're on this like 12 week or 16 week calorie deficit, but they'll inject like three or four days every couple weeks where the person eats higher calories mm -hmm. and they find that they lose more fat as a result. Bodybuilders have done this for a long time. They, yeah. call, they call them cheat meals, which I don't like that name. But Isn't it kind of cycling? Isn't that called cycling kind of your calories? Yeah. Or carb or, days? You can do carb days. Yeah. And this is bodybuilders have known this for a long time. Um, so what I would say is if you start to plateau, if you're getting leaner, 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 and then you plateau, Try doing a couple weeks where your calories are higher and you're just focused on building strength. Then try cutting a little bit again and then see what happens. And usually that gets things moving. Really? And there's also, there's also in your book, you talk about a different thing. There's two different ways. You were saying it in re reference to if you're somebody who's starved yourself and you've car and, and then like you don't want to gain a like body, uh, like bikini models yeah. when they do the cardio thing and the eating and then to kind of. Uh, reverse dieting? Reverse dieting. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. it. What, so, what's reverse dieting? So reverse diet is... Uh, I've never heard that ex that before. That's actually quite... It's a common uh, phrase in now the in the, in the kind of hardcore fitness space. 
my friend Lane Norton was the was really the first one to, to talk about uh, reverse dieting, but we'd all kind of seen it and experienced it ourselves. A reverse diet is when you take somebody who, through years of dieting and maybe over exercise or over cardio, has really gotten their metabolism to get really really slow. So I've experienced this myself. So I, I'll, I'll use the example of you know I had a client who was a bikini competitor. And she would diet for these shows yeah. and get really shredded. But by the time she came to see me, she was eating like, I don't remember what it was, like 1,500 calories a day. She was doing cardio every single day. On top of it, she was doing weight, weight training. And she was like, I can't, I can't work out more and I can't eat less. And my body's not getting leaner. Like, what's going on? So, well, your metabolism has become hyper-efficient, right? Slow down. We need to speed it back up. So what we did is we slowly reduced her cardio exercise. I had her slowly increase her calories over time. And what she did, she started putting on some lean tissue and it started speeding up her metabolism. Sometimes I see this with obese people. I've actually had this where I'll have someone that sees me, hires me, they wanna lose 70 pounds and we'll track their food because I wanna see what their calorie intake is. And I'll be like, wow, this person needs to lose 70 pounds and they're averaging about 1800 calories a day. Like, how am I gonna get them to lose 70 pounds? Having me 800 calories a day? Yeah. And then once they lose the weight, where are they gonna go? They're totally screwed, right? Yeah. You see this with the biggest loser. A lot, yeah. Where they lose the weight and they gain it right back. So what I'll do with yeah. that person is I'll say, okay, I'm gonna have you continue to eat 1800 calories and we're gonna start resistance training and make you stronger. And then slowly actually bump their calories. I'll go 50 calories a week here and there. Till I get to the point and they either won't gain any weight or they might gain a little bit of weight doing this, but we're going getting to the point where I'm comfortable cutting their calories. So typically, you know, I'm getting them up to, you know, 24, 2,500 calories. Their weight really hasn't changed much at all. Now I have a place to start from. Now I can cut calories. And here's right. the beauty of it. I'll cut 500 calories from there and they're still eating more than they came to me with. Now right. they're losing weight. Right. That reverse diet is scary to a lot of people, I'm sure, listening. Like, because once you gain a lot of weight, you would gain. If you do it right, you you might gain a little bit of weight, mostly water. You'll gain some muscle. Not much though. You actually don't gain much. And then when you cut, you're like, you got this like ramped up metabolism. I love doing this with women the most because they're the most scared. Yes. Guys, if I tell them to reverse diet, sometimes they're like, cool. I, get I know, exactly. But with women, I'm like, okay, we're gonna bump your calories. Why, why do you want me to bump it now? But after about three or four months of doing this and they're feeling really strong and their shape is looking good and then they're like, okay, should we start cutting? I'll say, well, how do you feel about your diet? I'm like, well, I'm eating a lot. I feel like I can't eat anymore. I'm like, okay, now it's a good time. Then we'll cut the calories and the fat just comes off their body. I like that. And then also one more thing, and then we can, I'm, we'll wrap this up. But, you know, you were talking about how you like, you eat something very small in the morning and you eat nothing during the day mm. and then you eat a big meal. I mean, is it like kind of a, it, it, it sounds like it would be like intermittent fasting with a snack kind of, or like. Kind of, and you know, here's the thing with meal frequency. Do you believe in intermittent fasting? For some people. Okay. Uh, for other people, I don't. For you, do you call what do you call that for yourself? Um, I mean, sometimes I do that, sometimes I don't. I guess you could call that intermittent fasting. Um, sometimes I don't do that. It just sounds like like eating very little calories until until meal. later. Yeah. yeah. So um, I definitely wouldn't recommend any kind of fasting for someone who wants to lose weight. Um, we used to call that starving yourself. It does develop a bad relationship with food. But, but really, that's what people are using it for. You know, know that, right? I know. People are. Oh, but I'm fasting. Right. No, you're just not eating. Exactly. Yeah. It's called. It's under the guise of doing like something for good, like healthy and good for you. But really, if you really kind of like peel back the layers, because they think they're going to be like they're going to lose weight. One hundred percent. Yeah. One hundred percent. I'm with you. On no that. meal frequency. There's definitely cases where you might want to eat more or less frequently. So like uh, less frequently. Sometimes people with gut inflammation issues. Yeah. 
eating less frequently sometimes is better for them. Um, more frequently, sometimes people with hormone issues, women, mm -hmm. sometimes with like H, uh, you know, HPTA axis, uh, um, you know, uh, dysfunction. Sometimes uh, you'd want them to eat like a fat protein meal in the morning to stabilize their cortisol and their right. blood sugar and whatever. But that all, you know, that all being said, meal frequency is up to personal preference. Right. If you like to eat five small meals a day because that makes you feel best. Although it's a myth you said also, of course. It doesn't burn more body fat yeah. or anything like that. But Where did it ever come from that everyone thinks that like they got to eat six, Yeah. It came from bodybuilders because bodybuilders were eating five or 6,000 calories a day, which right. you're not going to do with two or three meals. And uh, the supplement companies where they saw that and they said, oh, what a great way to sell people protein bars and shakes. If we tell people eat six meals a day, they're probably not going to eat six real meals a day. So we'll sell them, you know, protein powders and, and bars. Yeah. It's very smart. Very yeah, smart it's very strategy. Smart. It's very exactly. But it makes no difference. It really does make no difference. It's you know, except for certain cases, makes no difference. Personal preference. If you like eating twice a day, eat twice a day. If you want to eat five times a day, it's fine. So long as the calories and macros and everything is good, you're fine. So you don't really care what time people eat, how often they eat, as long as they're eating the amount of calories they should be and the macros yeah. are on. Now the, the times, you know, here's the deal. If you eat really late at night, well, yeah. it tends to not be healthy. That's just behavior. You know, remember that old thing like don't eat past six p.m. Yeah. One of the reasons why that works is A, people eat less, and B, the, when we tend to eat the wrong foods, it tends to be late at night. Yeah. Um, but other than that, I would say, look, uh, you probably don't want to eat within two hours before bed because it does influence your sleep. Other than that, it doesn't make a difference. So why do you only eat like an apple in, in the morning then? And I tend to feel best uh, when I am light, when I don't have a lot of food. I have the most energy. Obviously, I'm, I'm on a podcast. I like to talk to people. I just feel sharpest doing that. When I eat a, a meal, I like to sleep, relax. Right. So I tend to eat that way. Although these days now I have a little more in the morning. I tend to eat something like, I'll make like a shake with uh, eight to 10 egg yolks, throw some protein powder in there and I'm good to go. Is there any supplements that you take? Like on the right, like do you take a pre-workout to look like this? Uh, so, <laughs> I'll take caffeine uh, before my Wolverine. workout. Oh, <laughs> you know, you know, what's a, you know what's a good supplement for most people? What? Creatine. For women too? Everybody. Really? Creatine is, oh, okay. Creatine is the most studied ergogenic supplement you'll find anywhere. There's hundreds and hundreds of studies done on creatine. It is now being shown to improve heart health, cognitive function, anti-inflammatory. It, it definitely helps promote muscle strength. It definitely helps build muscle. And indirectly, it does help speed up the metabolism and burn body fat. If you take creatine, you will gain a little bit of weight. It's water weight. It's not bloat. <laughs> yes, <you're pressing laughs> it's not bloat. Okay. Bloat is outside the muscle. Uh, the, this water gain comes inside the muscle. So what you'll notice is your muscles look tighter and fuller and more sculpted. So it's not the same. So although the scale might go up a pound or two, you'll feel tighter, almost like you have a little bit of a pump, like when you work out. Really? Yes. And then you just put that in a shake or you just drink it by itself? Just take it once a day. Like, yeah. that's such a Someone like me, you, yeah. someone like you, two, three grams. That's it. Two, three grams really? a day. Because, mm -hmm. yeah, it's such a guy thing. When it first came out, yeah. that's how it was marketed. No, creatine is tremendous. In fact, you're going to see, you're already starting to see it, wellness supplements with creatine. They're starting yeah. to put creatine into, uh, into care homes for the elderly because it improves cognitive function and strength and wow. makes them feel better. Um, I, like I said earlier, it's it good for heart health. Creatine is a great supplement uh, for everybody. I don't what, care what your goal is. Fat loss, muscle gain, doesn't matter. Take really? Mm -hmm. uh, how about collagen? What do you think that's a kind of a, what do you think of the you know, collagen craze? Collagen, um, you know, it's high in certain amino acids that are yeah. beneficial for joint health and skin. Ultimately though, if your protein is really high, 
it really doesn't matter because you get those amino acids right. no matter what. But if your protein isn't in the upper limits of what, you know, so for, for maximum results from protein, maximum results being appetite suppression because protein is very, very satiating mm-hmm. and muscle building, you're looking at eating about 0.8 to about 0.6 to 0.8 grams of protein per pound of body mass. So if you weigh 100 pounds, 60 to 80 grams, right? Mm-hmm. So do the math. Unless you're really overweight, in which case you use lean body mass. But for most people, 0.6 to 0.8. If you're eating that much protein, then it doesn't make a big difference. If your protein's under that, then collagen makes a big difference because now you're supplementing with those amino acids that your body uh, is looking for. So um, so people with lower protein diets, and you don't need to necessarily eat tons of protein. It, it just definitely has its benefits, but it's not necessary. Um, if you're eating lower than that, then supplementing with collagen, you should notice improvements in skin health and your hair. Really? Mm-hmm. So wait, did you say you take a pre, pre-workout pre then besides the creatine? Sometimes stuff? I take a pre-workout, which which is essentially caffeine and maybe some beta alanine and some citrulline amino acid. I'm hearing a lot about beta, what, what does that do? Beta alanine is a, think of it this way, right? So the burn that you get yeah. when you work out, beta alanine increases what's called carnosine uh, in the muscle, which buffers it against that. So you get better performance. So you add like a rep or two to your workout. So it's more of a performance supplement. It's minor, by the way, supplements, they're not in the same category as food, yeah, sleep right. and exercise. But if you're like at that high level, yeah, then you'll you might know. Beta alanine does have a little bit of a side effect. Have you ever taken it? No, but everyone's telling me about it. And if I, you take beta alanine, you'll probably feel kind of tingly under your skin. Some people can't handle that. So really, no, yeah. I like that. I, I, see, I don't. I'm very on the workout supplements. I've never t- touched anything. Yeah. I mean. Like I, I take Truniagen for yeah. NAD. That's the only thing I act. And I take uh, vitamin D. Yeah, vitamin D is good. Yeah. And then what else do I take? I think that's all I take. Oh, fish oil? Fish oil. I take omega-3. Yeah, yeah, yeah I take that I too. Figured, yeah. yeah. How did you know? Huh? How did you know? It's a very that? good supplement. I can tell you got great skin. So. Oh my God. Well, thank you. Yeah. I no, I don't. But thank you. So I've never, yeah, that's why I'm not very Creatine. familiar. Try, try maybe two grams a day. Okay. And, and beta alanine, you think? Or the... You could try beta alanine, see if you like it. But okay. just, just creatine, two grams a day. So they tell you, they tell you to take five grams a day. That's a lot for most people, unless you have a lot of muscle mass. Two or three grams, so it's like half of a scoop that'll come with a little. What? Like, how about glu- uh, glutamine or glutamine? Just an amino acid. Do you I, take that too? No, I mean my protein's so high, I don't, don't supplement with amino acids. Yeah. Wow. When is your book out, by the way? It's out now. Oh, it's out already. It's out right now. Then how come I I only got oh, like a PDF? No, no, no. We're mailing you a book with my, with the, and I'm gonna I signed it. And oh, so you got a book coming? Don't I have worry. a real book. Okay, so your book is actually out. When did it yeah. come out? Yeah, twenty uh, seventh. So what's today? Twenty eighth. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Well, congratulations! Thank you. Thank oh my you. god, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah thank you. Um, where do people find you? Mind pumps out, you know. Okay, the so thing. the book is the Resistance Training Revolution. You can go to the Resistance Training or you could buy it on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Target, anywhere they sell books. Of course, the podcast is Mind Pump, and then if you want to find me personally. You can find me on Instagram um, at Mind Pump Sal. And you've got a very funny Instagram. I love your stories all the time. So yeah, Not always appropriate. Yeah. The <laughs> That's a 100% bit. true. Yeah. So if you're uh, parental guidance for sure. Definitely. Um, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. Habits and hustle. Time to get it rolling. Stay up on the grind. Don't stop. Keep it going. Habits and hustle from nothing into something. All out. Hosted by Jennifer Cohen. Visionaries. Tune in. You can get to know them. Be inspired. This is your moment. Excuses. We ain't having that. The Habits and Hustle podcast powered by Habit Nest. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, 
and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion, and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's gonna push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously, which is why I'm known as the podcast princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you want to learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join Podcast Royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap, like it's often called by my Yap fam on Apple, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.